welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is Sarah Hart Unger, and this is the podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. Today is our very last episode of 2022, and I am excited to bring you a whole bunch of listener questions and several listener tips. Those of you who have been listening since the beginning, thank you so much for supporting the show and always sharing such wonderful things with me. And if you're newer this year, because this show did have some growth in 2022, I'm super excited that you found us, and I hope that you will continue to kind of join the community, share stuff with me, and continue to listen into the new year. So just thank you all as we finish out this great year. It's been a really exciting journey, and there's some really fun stuff coming up ahead, so definitely stay tuned. All right, our very first question comes from a listener named Amy, and this is about goals and pregnancy. Amy writes, Hi, Sarah. I'm a longtime listener of both your podcast projects and love hearing you break down planning strategies. As 2023 approaches, I'm starting to brainstorm goals for the new year, but I'm also expecting my second child in January. Do you have any tips, tricks, or thoughts on setting manageable goals for a coming year that I know will be chaotic? I love this question because I do think it emphasizes the fact that Every year is not created equally when it comes to setting goals. I actually feel like I am finally in a stage of life with all of my kids five and above, which feels weird to say, but it's true that I can set some bigger goals and be more confident that I can, you know, give attention to more than one goal at once. For example, there have been years of my life where my primary goal was just, you know, keeping a baby alive and getting enough sleep to do the minimal needed to function at my job. And that's okay. So my pep talk to Amy is that, yes, you should give yourself some space. And I think that writing this question means that you are doing something great, which is that you're already acknowledging that it's going to be a more challenging and baby-focused year. And that is half the battle. I suggest that you are really, really gentle on yourself. I think the first baby year is really tough. And in some ways, the second is really hard as well. But when you have multiple kids and you've lived a little bit longer, you will get some perspective about how temporary it is and how important it is to just be nice to yourself. So I would encourage you to just let yourself make a few goals with very forgiving timelines. And personally, a goal I've made during that time was to try to enjoy parts of it because I will say that enjoying all of it or like savoring every moment is not a realistic goal, or at least it wasn't for me, but there are some really sweet parts and sometimes it can be hard enough to just identify what those are and let yourself linger in those sweet, sweet moments. If it's just like noticing that day when the baby is more calm or getting to take a nap and the baby sleeps when you're sleeping or something small like that. Just having a goal to remember and appreciate those small wins can be helpful during those incredibly challenging times. And it also might make sense to set some goals around things that might seem minor or selfish, like staying connected with friends or making sure to get some help and support instead of goals that are more about getting things done or serving others. Because this is a year when you may have more challenges than some of those around you, and it's okay to lean on others or do things for you as well. 
So I hope this helps. I really encourage you to just be kind to your future self in that baby year. Remember, you can always add things down the line. When I talk about my nested goals system, really it's about creating annual goals as a scaffold and a starting point, but you're going to be creating quintile goals or quarterly goals if you prefer that and monthly goals and weekly goals. And if things come up and you're excited and you have the energy, you can always add on. But I think it is best to start with a really realistic, forgiving set of goals that maybe includes some self-care and a reminder to enjoy and savor parts of what you're going through this year. And I hope you have a wonderful baby year. Those years are incredibly special. I actually, I don't save all of my planners, but I have saved my planners from some of my baby years and they are the most treasured, even though it is kind of cracks me up to see my meticulous uh, calculations of exactly how many milliliters of milk I was pumping every day. (laughs) Anyway. All right, Amy, thank you for that question, and I hope this is an amazing year for you. Question number two, planner move-in rituals. A listener wrote in, Hi, Sarah, I wanted to give a suggestion for best laid plans. What about an episode for what you do on planner move-in day? I look forward to this every year, and I thought it might be fun to hear how others set up their planners for the year. So I cannot say that there is one day when I move into my planner because It can be a multi-day process, and you guys know I often use a little monthly planner product to kind of set up the scaffold of the dates for the year before I move into my actual planner that I'm using for the year, but I do usually take some evening, often in like late October or early November, to get my main planner for the next year set up. Why do I do it that early? Because honestly, there's events that come along that I want to capture in there for like January and February and beyond. And if I don't have it set up, it's harder to do that. So I'll take an evening, often maybe like a weekend evening or Friday night when my kids can be immersed in a movie or something. I need at least an hour, if not two hours of kind of like uninterrupted time. I'll get out all my supplies I will either put on relaxing music or perhaps a planning-centric YouTube video to kind of have on in the background, and I will sit there transferring dates. You know, a lot of times, again, I've sort of saved things in another either just regular printed out paper calendars or a monthly calendar product, something where I'm transferring it into this new product, putting in our major events, trips, work days, days off, etc., And I'm not like too, you know, into a million stickers. So it doesn't take me like, you know, that long to do. But I would say, yeah, in about an evening's worth, like a couple hours, I have the major stuff in there for the next year. And then there's lots of adding on that goes on in the coming couple of months in terms of defining what kind of lists I might want to keep, what kind of tracking I might want to do. And then that kind of happens gradually with finally the culmination being that last week of December, really getting ready to dive in in January. So I guess that's not terribly satisfying. It's not like I have this amazing one-time ritual where all of it gets transferred, but three is usually one night and I really enjoy it. I try to just lean into it, make it fun, make it relaxing, make it a time where I'm savoring all these things I get to do in the coming year. And yeah, it's a really kind of enjoyable experience. I could totally see making this a fun social event with friends as well. How fun would a planning party be? Or maybe I'll have to try to do something like that on Zoom in the future. And I can invite you all. We can have a planning party. I would not rule it out. So hmm, maybe for winter of 2023, I'll have to write that down. All right. Thank you so much for that question. All right, we have one more question before we take our break, and this comes from a listener all the way in Switzerland. She writes, I just now started the Hobonichi Weeks for the first time. 
I began in November using some of the note pages for this month, but now the planner actually starts. But I still don't know what to do with the extra pages. There's a yearly and monthly and a hundred list and a 365 days checkoff. For planning, I'm only using the weeklies and the notes pages. Do you have some ideas? It would be sad to leave them empty. Okay, so for my answer, first, I do want to give you permission to leave some pages in your planner empty. I totally understand why planner companies put, you know, all different types of pages because certain layouts are going to appeal to certain people. But the beauty of a Hobonichi Weeks is that it's not, you know, a terribly bulky product, even with some of these extras. And so if you choose and decide that one of these layouts just isn't serving you or you don't need it, that's totally okay. I have so many planners in my stack that I cannot hope to use every single spread and every single planner or else I'd be spending all day long just filling out planners. And I even though that does sound kind of tempting, I'm not going to be doing that. So it's okay if you want to choose. Now, if your weeks is your only planner and you really have a goal of wanting every page to be filled up, that might be more realistic. And there is so much variation how people choose to use some of these pages. So for monthly pages, I've seen people use them for kind of the basics, like long range planning and putting in when your family's traveling, et cetera or tracking paid leave days off of work. Like you could notate when you're off and then kind of count them up over the course of the year. Those are kind of more bare bones, practical uses. I've seen some people use monthly layouts as a memory tracker where they'll write down like a memory or even print out a tiny little photo and put it in each. That's a lot of work. So I'm not like necessarily suggesting that, but I've seen it and it looks really cool. You could do a reading log where you track the number of pages read or just write down the books you're reading and then kind of, you know, see those trend out throughout the year. You could use them for health data. So I've seen people use monthly spreads to track headaches, track menstrual cycles, if that applies to you, track other health-related things. So really, there's no one right answer, but see if one of those maybe resonates with you. And then in terms of the 100 page, so for those who don't know, the Hobonichi products come with a My 100 page where there's kind of like a small line that you can fill in for 100 of anything that you'd like to collect throughout the year. I've seen people use this as 100 small things to be grateful for, some kind of note for books or movies or shows or media they've watched. I've seen people use this for spending logs or a wish list, and you can even divide it up if you want. You know, there's no rule that you actually have to have 100 things. You could decide to do 10 things of this and 10 things of that and 10 things of that. So those are a few ideas for the 100 page. And then finally, the 365 page is like a little yearly tracking sheet. And there are numbers that you can color in different things from 1 to 365 if there's something you want to track throughout the year. And for this, I've seen people make really pretty spreads tracking the weather, like they'll track the high and color code it. And you can see this really cool rainbow looking graphic. Although if you live in South Florida, it would probably just be like red and orange or whatever the (laughs) hot colors you chose are. You could track amount of screen time. You could do a color code for the amount of steps you've taken in the day. You could just make it really minimal and like color it in if you meditated that day. So you can see you know, trends on whether you've done it. I think the 365 is great for either some sort of like habit that's a yes or no, or tracking things in ranges based on a little color code. So many possibilities, but also the permission not to use any of these spreads if they don't serve you. I will say one of the places I've gotten some of the best ideas is the Hobonichi subreddit. I do not really participate in much social media anymore. And the one exception I've allowed myself recently is that I will go to the Hobonichi Reddit board because I find it much less 
I don't know, compare and commercial than Instagram because no one's really trying to ever sell you anything. There are no Reddit influencers. And so it's just like random people sharing in sort of a more old-fashioned news group way. And I'm not super big into it. Honestly, I think it can be just as much as a rabbit hole as the other social media platforms in some ways. But for Hobonichi, I find it totally benign in my case anyway. So that might be a place that you might want to go for ideas. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then I'm going to be back with a couple more questions and then some listener tips. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. You are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes in part from Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do, visit JennyKane.com and use code PLANS for 15% off your first order. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and this is the perfect gift to treat all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, yet totally refined. This season, I am so into the beautiful dresses that Jenny Kane has on offer. My personal pick and what I'm hoping to wear all season is the Callan dress. I have it in the khaki color and feel like I could literally wear it to anything. And the best part is it's perfect for warm weather, which we have plenty of, but you could also layer it in a chilly air-conditioned space. I also have my eye on the day dress. It's such a classic silhouette. One thing you might not know about Jenny Kane is that they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase and joining is completely free. Find your perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS, P-L-A-N-S, at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code PLANS. Get yourself and the women in your life the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, I'm back and we have two more listener questions for you. Number four comes from a listener who is on a fitness journey. She writes, I've lost 24 pounds and my A1C is within normal limits after having a prior diagnosis of prediabetes. 
I'm using some online tools daily, but would like to add a physical planner and journal to the mix. I'd like a place to record weight, water intake, alcohol intake, minutes exercising, and type of exercise. I am not going to use it to record food. I'm also thinking about using it as a gratitude journal, struggles, and non-scale victories journal. Not sure. Any suggestions? I need it to be about five by seven size so that it can be thrown in a purse and kept on the side of the bed. And it needs to include the week at a glance with all seven days of the same side plus a monthly layout and goal pages. Okay, so a few things came to mind. The first is that you could use a dedicated fitness product, but you absolutely don't have to because I think an open-ended weekly planner with goal pages would be easily adapted to this purpose. So the thing that came to mind when you mentioned that you wanted it to be durable and have these nice weekly layouts and monthly layouts plus goal pages was the Erin Condren Softbound Planner. And I linked, I think, to the Erin Condren A5 size Edda V Planner because it has a nice horizontal layout available. It's an A5 size. I think it'd be durable, especially if you stuck a band around it to close it. And I honestly think in some ways, this very open-ended layout might be great for you because you can decide exactly what you want to track. Of course, it's going to involve some writing and kind of remembering what you want to do because it's not going to be all pre-filled out for you as a template, but I think this could be a really versatile option for you. Two more fitness-focused products are the Commit 30 planners. Now, these are also really durable. I honestly think the creator had them in mind that people might bring them to a gym or just like have them around with them all the time because they are soft cover, but they have like an elastic closure and some of they do come in different sizes. And these are more fitness focused and there are some that have meal planning space, but some that do not. I know that they have regular weekly layouts incorporated and there's lots of tracking space and kind of inspirational fitness content. So this might be a great option for you as well. And finally, a more, I would say minimal that doesn't have as much of the weekly and monthly layouts that you're looking for, but does look like a kind of a nice product that's small, very compact and durable that you might be interested in trying would be the Emily Lay Simplified Collection Wellness Workbook that has place for you to kind of track a number of habits for each day, as well as some goal setting pages. So you'll have to let me know if you decide that any of these are going to serve your needs in the new year. And I do think having a dedicated fitness planner, if you're on a fitness journey, can be really, really helpful for people because it's just like a tangible marker of what you're trying to get done. And you can build in a ritual daily where you're filling this out, which is kind of like a real, you know, moment of reckoning with how you've done in that given day. So it can force that reflection that can be really helpful over the long term. Question number five is an audio question. So I will let Emily read her question. I think this is a common challenge for many listeners. So go ahead, Emily. Hi, Sarah. I have a question that I was hoping that you could answer. I struggle a lot with capturing all of my to-dos. Sometimes I leave them in my inbox. Sometimes I write them on sticky notes. Sometimes I put them in the Todoist app and ultimately they end up everywhere I don't consult them on a regular basis and things drop. I was wondering if you could provide some tips on how to effectively capture in a way that would be easy to do on the fly. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right. So it sounds to me, Emily, like you have too many capture places. You know, capturing is really, really important when we have these things flying at us all the time. We have to have systems in order to 
keep those inputs somewhere where not, we're not going to lose track of them, but you have so many places that you're putting these inputs that it's becoming really, really confusing. So I do think you need to pare down what your inputs are going to look like and also build some specific rituals around processing those fewer inputs. So I'm going to give an example. For me, the inputs that I know I'm absolutely not going to miss and are going to be looking at on a regular basis are my email inbox, my planner, and my physical inbox on my desk. That's pretty much it. Those are things that foolproof I'm not going to miss. I have rituals where I go through them so I know I'm not going to just lose track of something. And if I'm on the go, my preferred method of digitally reminding myself something is to actually write myself an email. This wouldn't work if I had like, you know, 90,000 emails and I didn't really go through my inbox regularly. It would just get buried. But because I have that ritual of clearing out that inbox, it does work for me. I'm not saying email is the right answer for you. It may be Todoist is your great on-the-fly digital collection tool, but then you would need a reliable ritual of every single day or week or whatever you think is the right interval going through Todoist and emptying it out. So for me, my digital capture tool is email. My physical tap capture tool is my literal physical inbox on my desk. Lisa Woodruff came up with the name Sunday Basket, where you kind of collect all things throughout the week and go through them on Sunday. This way, you'll never be late to paying a bill or dealing with anything that is on paper. And then my other tool, as I said, is my planner. So anything time-specific, if I hear about something that's due on a specific day, I put it on my weekly list for that week. And I know, because I have a ritual where I look at my weekly list every week to kind of plan out what I'm going to do that week. And I never move on to the next week without looking to see what I didn't do on that weekly list. It's never going to get missed. So those are only like, you know, three spaces of the many, many, many options I could have for collecting things. And I use many other tools, but they're not collection tools. I would never put a to-do list in Apple Notes. I would never put a to-do list, you know, in one of my other kind of accessory planners. So hopefully that makes sense. I think your issue is that you need to limit what you're going to be collecting and where and have routines centered around looking at those few sources. And I think the minimum is probably having one digital source, one calendar-based source, and one physical source. Maybe even write those sources on an index card. So you're like, these are my collection boxes and I look at these maybe daily, weekly, whatever you decide is the right amount of time. And some people benefit from having a designated processing time. Like, oh, I don't leave my office without going through my, you know, in-tray on my desk and cleaning out my work email, whatever that is for you. Again, I hate to be too prescriptive and tell people exactly what their rituals should be. But I think in your case, thinking through exactly what these boxes are and what the rituals should be and the time frame around that would be super, super helpful. So let me know if you try it and maybe we can report back with a success story. All right, so that was it for the questions. People might wonder if I answer every single question I receive on the podcast. I do not. I receive a lot of questions and sometimes I will, I usually try to reply to almost every question. I will admit I have a little bit of a backlog of voice questions, but I'll be trying to dole those out throughout the year. And usually I do respond to all questions. So even if you don't get to hear your question discussed on the podcast, you usually get a few thoughts from me or maybe a couple of planner recommendations. So yeah, please keep them coming. A lot of them are featured. And remember, you can text me. People have been texting me. If you get the voicemail, that's fine. It goes to like my Google voicemail and I'll be able to listen to it. But the number to text or call is 305-697-7189. Again, you're not texting my actual phone. It's a Google voice account, but I'll be able to hear your stuff or get your text via my email. 
You can also use SpeakPipe to leave audio messages, and you can always just send me an old-fashioned, easy email at shoeboxblog at gmail.com, S-H-U-B-O-X-B-L-O-G at gmail.com, or use my name, sarah.heart.unger at gmail.com. Fun fact, they all get sent into the same inbox, so it doesn't actually matter which one you use. All right, so here come our tips. The first one comes from... Oh man, I left the name off. I'm so sorry, but here is a listener's tip and it's great. So I'm going to include it. Hi, Sarah. I'm a listener of Best of Both Worlds. Thanks for the great podcast. I have a seven month old baby boy and I recently discovered your podcast. I own my own business and my husband's a surgical PA. So typically works unpredictable nighttime hours similar to your husband. I have a few suggestions that I've recently come across that may help working moms. And by the way, this listener did write this in with respect to Best of Both Worlds. The other podcast I co-host, but I felt like this was just such a great pro tip for this audience as well. So I'm sharing it here. Tip number one is around goal setting and goal setting notebooks and planners. Our listener sent in, hi, Sarah, I wanted to share some info on one of my favorite free goal planning resources, especially since you aren't purchasing power sheets this year. I have used the year compass for the past three years, and it's a great resource for reflection and goal setting. Honestly, my favorite part is the prior year reflection, but it includes what I think of as prep work light, especially for planners who have used power sheets long enough to be familiar with the process. And I will send a link in the show notes for what this is. It's a completely free booklet that you can print out. And on the website, they even suggest potentially doing this in a group and having like a visioning slash planning reflection night with friends. So I will include that. And I very much appreciate the tip as I know we are all you know, trying to think about the best way that we can set our goals for 2023. And if you're listening to this in the new year, remember that it is not too late. You are allowed to set your yearly goals in January. I promise it will not hurt anything. Nothing really happens that very first week anyway. Fun fact. All right. And then our last tip is an audio tip that was sent in via SpeakPipe. So I will let Valerie share this tip. Hi, Sarah. My name is Valerie from Michigan with a planning piece submission. Years ago, when my husband and I had first been married, it was a struggle for us to manage the division of household chores. And since this is a common issue, I wanted to reach out with a digital planning method that helped us. At the time, I felt like I was doing the bulk of these things. My husband was great about some, but there was still an imbalance. We ended up getting a roommate app for our phones. Not designed for couples, but it worked great. You start by planning a standard schedule. You know, for example, clean the dishes every day. You know, vacuum once a week. You know, the dog needs his medicine every three months. And then as you complete these items, you check them off in the app. We would get a cute little gold star and a point. For us, it was never a goal to focus on some exact point-for-point split, but it made us realize how much the other person was doing. And then also to adjust our habits and routines to be more balanced. As those routines developed and became more natural, we pretty quickly no longer needed to use the app. The one in particular we had isn't even around anymore. This is 15 years ago. But I hope that someone might find this helpful. And I so appreciate your podcast. I love it, Valerie. I wish I knew exactly which app you were using. So if anybody knows of an app similar to what Valerie described, definitely feel free to share. And we can go into a little bit more detail about how she was able to make that task sharing and mental load organization with her partner run more smoothly because I think that sounds lovely and what a lot of people are looking for. So thank you so much for sharing, Valerie. 
All right, well, that is it. This is our last Q&A slash tips episode for the year. And I hope it's been a good one. It was a fun one to record. I'm so excited for what is to come in the new year. I am planning on keeping the same format of this podcast with a guest approximately once a month, a Q&A episode about monthly, a review episode monthly, and then like a concept episode one or two times a month. I feel like that formula really fits and I'm going to stick with it going into 2023. So if you have suggestions for really, really special guests, remember, I don't have guests that often. So I really try to save those slots for people who just, I know the listeners would be really, really excited to hear from and who I'd be really excited to talk to. So let me know if you think someone would be a great fit for the podcast. And also let me know if there's a product that you feel like is just shouting out to be reviewed. I have a couple in the pipeline, including one I just ordered, but I'm always looking for more suggestions. So with that, happy early new year. I hope you have a wonderful rest of 2022. And I will be back with more fun in January about planning, planning adjacent things, and just how we can organize our lives to get the most out of them. So I'll see you next year. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.